Thank you. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Perfectly Good Podcast, the only podcast reviewing every John Hyatt song from A to Z. I am Sylvan Groth, and joining me under the pillow of a haunted bed, rendezvousing in a bullet riddled park is my co-host and my brother in music and joy and all things, Jesse Jackson. And we're doing things a little bit differently this week. What do you think, Jesse? I love it. I, um, you know, would to pull the curtain back, right? When we started, I, I told Sylvan, I said, you know, I don't have to drive all the time. So I it was wonderful. She's like, hey, I think I'll drive tonight. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I love sitting in the passenger seat fiddling with the radio. Well, just to be clear, I am doing this as a special uh, intro to a special episode because also to pull back the curtain, um, Jesse and I are going in alphabetical order and we ended up uh, having two songs from the album Two Bit Monster come back to back, um, which gave us a little bit less introduction of the just the facts to talk about, but also as we were listening to them over the past week, we kind of felt like maybe there this would be a good time to try to do a double episode. So today we are actually going to be talking about two songs. This is pretty unusual, might be the only time we do this. But we are going to be talking about Back to Normal and Back to the War, both from the Two-Bit Monsters album. Uh, should I hit a quick just the facts, Jesse? Yes, I do want to just, it is a little odd that there are two songs, both starting with the same word, both from the same CD. Or yes. really, it, it It is just a odd kind of you know, convergence. And, and so, in fact, I had to double check our list. Like, okay, did I, did I miss something? Right. Uh, Is it a so, typo? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yes, please share us just the facts. So just the facts, as I said, this was from two bit monsters. It was the second album released by MCA. It was the last album released by MCA. Um, John recorded this album with some of his touring band, which included uh, the late great Howie Epstein, who was, of course, uh, a member of the Heartbreakers of Tom Petty fame. It was produced by uh, Richard. Oh, I'm sorry. Blah. Produced by Denny Bruce. And um, we're going to, as usual, be referring quite a bit to the book by um, Michael Elliott. Um, he talks a lot about the um, production in this and the fact that there was great expectations for Hyatt uh, when MCA came on board, but he was very quickly dropped. Um he also talks that it was quite a tense recording session that it got to the point that John and the producer weren't even talking to each other. They were just sending messages secondhand using profanity back and forth. And I think a little of that comes through in the production. Um, I was able to dig up a really old review 
that uh, was quite favorable. It was recorded, or I'm sorry, it was published in 1980 in the Los Angeles Times. Um, he uh, quoted John Hyatt by saying that uh, record companies were, quote, letting weird people back in the door again, which allowed him to get in with MCA. And he goes on to quote John by saying that Denny Bruce, the producer, was a wonderful guy, but a terrible record producer. My demos, Hyatt says bluntly, bitterly, were better than the record. So, of course, the John we know and love in the 2000s on would never bite the hand that fed him like that. But I think it's telling of the tension that was going on with this album. Uh, the tracks that we're talking about tonight are um, tracks three and what is the other track? Uh, so, okay. Pulling back the curtain even more. I was not really motivated to get some pristine copies of two bit monster. So I actually got one of those CDs that were as a double disc that they released in the late nineties. So yeah. I am looking at, a CD with a total of 23 tracks. So my track numbers are off, but back to normal was the first track on two bit monsters and back to the war was a uh, track seven. If I'm counting correctly, eight. it's eight. According okay. to Wikipedia, it's eight. Thank you, Jesse. And, and so we know Wikipedia is never wrong. So never wrong. Yeah. Uh, so the, the starting track and kind of right in the middle toward the end and what is kind of interesting is as i was listening to this on repeat i really couldn't distinguish between the two of them like they they do have distinct sounds they do tell different stories but i found myself kind of losing interest in equal measure with these two songs um but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Jesse, is there anything else you wanted to add about the background of these two? So the cover shows a very angry young man. With a uh, cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Cigarette, yeah, with the, you know, staring at us with anger in his eyes. And um, my thought is, I assume that he is um, pretty um, active in substance abuse at this point, uh, whether yes. it be liquid or other kinds. Um, and I, when I listened to this, a lot of memories came back, Sylvan, because as I've shared, my good friend, um, you know, Rick loves Slugline. And so when Two Bit Monsters came out, Linda and I started dating in, um, February of 1980. So this would have been like a new, um, CD. And I remember not really liking this, um, partly because um, we're new in a relationship and this this was pre-Linda and I dating. So you don't want to really like anything that, you know, other people kind of liked. And this is um, when I played the songs, you know, you're like, he 
and this is just from my perspective, he hasn't found the sweet spot yet. Mm. So I, I'm really curious to see her because, you know, you coming from, you know, like, were you negative when this came out? I was one. Okay. One years okay. old. Okay. But um, to the point of the first time I heard it, it was after I'd had my come to Damascus moment that yeah. um, I was already familiar with the recovery trilogy and had started researching John's bio- biography and really getting into his life story and so forth. So I kind of had that in my mind of this is an a different version of John. It is a historic look of at John. And I uh, would have been like 12 or 13 at the time. I remember finding the CDs at like a Tower Records with my mom and, you know, putting it on. It, we had a great affection for Slugline because that came out my birth year. So, you know, it, it yeah. was my twin, so to speak. And then 2-Bit Monsters was just kind of like the, oh, this one is kind of cool too. Yeah. But I do remember that summer that we were really digging into John's back catalog. It was right in between the time that I didn't really need a babysitter and I wasn't quite old enough to have a real job yet. So I spent a lot of time by myself at the house as a latchkey kid. And I played these constantly and I enjoyed them. They were fun, but in I that if I hadn't had all that free time, I wouldn't have listened to them that much. And I certainly would I think it would be fair to say that Tubit Monsters is the album I reach for, if not the least frequently, one of the least frequently. And here we are talking about two songs on that album. Yeah, so um I will tell this story again when we get to the eyes, but um our good for I, I have a wonderful friend named Sarah Hickman and we were starting to see her. She was playing uh, in Dallas and um, she ended up getting picked up by Ep- Epic and dropped. And she's, if you haven't checked out Sarah Hickman's uh, catalog, it, she is an absolutely brilliant singer songwriter, but this, that is someone who is not a personal friend of hers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so she was in the stage. We're doing a lot of covers and she did it hadn't happened yet uh-huh. and we were just blown away but she was doing a roseanne cash cover and linda and i are like she's doing john hyatt she's doing yeah. john hyatt um and um and i still um when i hear someone on the news say fbi linda and i will look do they spy oh, for the for the fbi so I I think... Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. If and once again, take a drink because, of course, Jesse's going to bring up Bruce Springsteen. Um, Born to Run is when Bruce put it all together, and so a lot of people, greetings, and, and you know, and and his other two songs, you know, his first two albums. Some people love them. I mean, they adore them, and others are like, "Well, that's kind of interesting," and I see where he's going. So I think of these as those kind of early tracks. There are certainly songs that enjoy um, "Good Girl, Bad World." I, you know, there are songs that are enjoyable, but I just don't think he's hit where he wants to say anymore i don't mm-hmm. find as many clever lyrics as many um emotions his voice is a lot rawer, rawer. um and so that's why when you suggest maybe we do these together because i do think that this is a from a from a historian and for us doing, you know, every song, I think it's really important to go through each one of them. But I agree, this is something that, and and I'm sure people on the Facebook page and our fans may go, there are going to be people who go, oh, no, I absolutely adore. Hanging around the observatory is where he started and everything went to hell afterwards. You know, there are going to be people that love these early albums. Uh, so yeah, just some quick thoughts. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And Jesse, I think you pulled out the stars of two bit album, two bit <laughs> monsters, the album, when you mentioned it hasn't happened yet. And I spy for the FBI. Yeah. Um, but those aren't what we're talking about no. tonight. Yeah. Um, I will also point out that I, I am looking more closely at the notes that, um, John actually has a, um, a publishing uh, credit on this i believe so that's kind of interesting or a producer credit yes on these it's hard to believe that with all the tension that mike elliott is talking about in the book that he could have honestly played the producer role or maybe he just fought enough that he put his name on the liner notes for that yeah um so all that background in the history and uh, as those of you who have been on this podcast journey with us know, Jesse and I are not musicians. We can, however, dive into the lyrics. And again, 
I was listening to these songs on repeat and I was finding just how kind of interchangeable they were for me. Um, I will go ahead and put the conclusion at the top of my thesis here that like, this is a songwriter who is doing his best to come up with clever phrases, throwing them into a blender and not really caring what order they come in, if they make any sense, uh, complementing each other as flavors. There's a, there's a lot. And um, I personally, you could pull out a line here or there and say, oh, isn't that clever? But the, the whole does not equal the sum of the parts that he was trying to put together, in my opinion. No, I agree. And I, um, once again, you talking about putting all the words together, um, Bruce talked about doing like blinded with a light. He had a thesaurus in front of him. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, in the brilliant letter to you documentary that is available on Apple TV, where they they had a camera in the studio when they were filming their last studio album. Um, Bruce said that early in his career, John Hammond, uh, the famous A&R guy from Columbia Records, said um, a guy reached out to me and said, if you aren't careful, you're going to run out of words in the dictionary. And it right. was Bob Dylan telling <laughs> <laughs> Bob John that. Um, but even early Hyatt and, and I, you know, I as we've talked about before, both Sylvan and I put it on repeat and we just listen to it over and over again. Um, on the first one, there's something about, he thinks he's all you've ever wanted. He's turning off the light. Now, does he even know your bed is haunted? There's something about those three lines and the way he sings them stands out to me. And that was when I was making notes, I, I bolded that phrase to specifically say, if I had a, if I had to do a highlight of the song, that little there, um, and then going into what's that in the shadow on the wall and everything would be my highlight. Um, I agree that that that's a great phrase. And as I said, you can pull out a piece, right? And the pieces are are pretty good in places. And that's also, I believe, the bridge of the song. Yeah. Vocally, it's, you know, very emotional and compelling and it draws you in. Um, but what comes before it is, I guess, the chorus, which has this weird kind of call and response of, I'm back to normal. I see you live for hope. I'm back to normal. Get out your microscope. I'm back to normal. You've got enough rope. I'm back to normal now, back to normal now, back to normal now, back to normal now. What? Huh? <laughs> so one of my favorite podcasts is the Story Song Podcast. And uh, there are three uh, hosts and they take story songs and they break them down to minutia coming up with theories and everything. It, it's funny, right? So I'm like... Okay, I'm back to normal. I see you live for hope. I'm back to normal. Get out your microscope. Books, of course. 
I mean, what else tells you that you love someone but a microscope, right? Is that is he putting his relationship under a microscope? And then you got enough rope. Is that enough rope to hang yourself, hang yourself with? Yeah, you know, is mean, that you know? And that's and, the first thing that came to me. Yeah, and so is he saying things are back to normal? Is he trying to convince himself it's back to normal? Now, um. Linda asks every other Wednesday, um, actually, she asks every Wednesday, are you doing Doctor Who or are you doing John Hyatt? And I go, it's a Hyatt night. And she goes, okay, what songs are you talking about? And uh, so today I played this and she smiled, started singing the chorus. She said, I absolutely remember this song for a for a for a hundred dollars. I could not tell you what it's about. Yeah. I, and, and it's John Hyatt. Yes. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> when does John Hyatt write something that even if you're wrong, and you know, I feel very lucky to have stood before John and asked him questions about his songs, and he re- absolutely refuses to give you an answer because he wants the listener to decide what the song is about. Right. But I couldn't come up with anything. So let's actually even start from the beginning. Okay. I think, yes, I'd love it. Naturally, I heard the doctor say, cut the cord and give the child away. So you had him over for dinner, carving beans with a butcher knife. So is the child a metaphor about new beginnings and you have to, you know, cut the cord and go out into the world on your own? But then he's over for dinner and I have never heard a metaphor of beans with a butcher knife. Maybe am I showing my age or no? What's well, going on? I was thinking of a Looney Tunes cartoon where <laughs> they're starving. Right. And so the person has a knife and he cuts the bean, you know, like he has to cuts the bean. So everyone gets a little thing. That was right. my first thought. But um. We are not in a world at this point. In other words, normally John creates a world. We may not understand the world, but there is a vision, there is a world, and we are sucked into it. This I don't get. And so c- please continue because let's talk about um, this. This song keeps bringing up um, scientific equipment. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm back to normal. He's going over her. I'm back to normal with his thermometer. And again, when do you go over someone with the thermometer? Maybe a stethoscope or any other kind of x-rays or something. Uh, I'm back to normal. She's getting normal. I'm back to normal, back to normal, back to normal now. Um, So that makes no sense. Now, I will tell you that the chorus is easily i mean it is catchy back to normal back to normal back to normal and i I remember dancing around the living room in my bare socks and like you know jamming out to it yeah oh i I, absolutely the same thing like if you're in the car and i had this on a cassette or an eight track whatever it was back then you know you would be bobbing your head and you know I remember this is shows my age. There was um, a Saturday Night Live skit 
that said, you know, ordinary people sing the Beatles and all they could remember the choruses. So they'd go, pity lands in my heart. And they, you know, because they couldn't. So this is, I'm not understanding any of the regular verses, but that back to normal is catchy enough that you're, you know, you're kind of swinging into it. Right. But all that being said, uh, this didn't get much radio play and it wasn't charting anywhere. And then his record company dropped him. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The next part is, uh, or I did I already uh, skip over something. The funny thing also is that it doesn't even matter what order you put any of these verses or choruses in. It doesn't make any more sense. I don't think. Well, no, Um, because like you try to, you tell him to try and kiss away all those little things we could not say. He's got you under that pillow where I left instructions for you. Okay. Um, you're almost with me with the you tell him to try and kiss away all those little things we could not say. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we've been in that relationship. And then yeah. instructions under the pillow? What? Huh? Yeah. I, it, you know, now, and once again, the chorus where he is doing his own refrain, right? That mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm back to normal. I'll see you live. I see you live for hope. I'm back to normal. Go get out your microscope, right? It, it, you know, we talked about that. It doesn't make any sense. And when you go back to, well, that in the shadows on the wall, who's that with the camera in the hall? You've got doctor's orders. I've got all the pictures I need. And that doesn't click. And then we go back, like, I'm back to normal. I, I sit alone at night. I'm back to normal in the projected light. So there is a pattern where he says a statement, then he mentions some kind of object. But yes. it, it I, I don't get this. And as I said, it's kind of word salad. You know, like yes. some of these are quite clever ideas, but it just wasn't put together in a way that we know John is capable of. And it's not just, oh, he had to grow into his songwriting. This is uh, eight or six years out from Sure As I'm Sitting Here, which is a brilliant song that can hold up to anything that he's Well, it it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it is a a great song. Um, I also wanted to um, put out in context that like this is more i think maybe sonically than lyrically as we're getting into now but i had to kind of say to myself okay well am i just putting it in the standard of today's john hyatt or even a different john hyatt what was going on musically at the time okay so the week that this album was released uh on the top 40 pop hits number one was it's still rock and roll to me by billy joel Number two was Magic by Olivia Newton-John. And number 10 was The Rose by Bette Midler. Okay. So I think um, we weren't looking for absurdity no. at that time in pop music. Yeah. And for some reason, John got a different memo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, um, I'm 
I'm behind in my listening, but um, uh, Cocaine and Rhinestones is a wonderful um, podcast of the history of country music. And the second season is all about George Jones. And with the George and Tammy Showtime miniseries kind of got me like, okay, I know I've been meaning to watch this. And in one of the episodes, he talks about that in early recording, not just country music, but any kind of recording studio musicians and studio time is expensive. So you would, you, you would have songs you think are going to be good. And then you would have other songs that are probably not. And so if you tried to do four songs in a four hour take, and let's say you had 15, 20 minutes left, you don't send anyone home early you grab one of these, these aren't very good songs and try to get a track out. Then he talked about when you the album came out that you would rush an album with one or two hits and then you the filler, album filler, right? That's where that phrase comes from. So these are all written by John, but it makes me think of it. This is, is this album filler. And as he grew as an artist and as a writer, all of a sudden we're going, oh, there may not be all, you know, fives on our scale, but their worst out number is a three on some of these later releases, right? You know, and and there are plenty of fours and fives versus others. This is, uh, I don't know what you're trying to do, but whatever you're doing didn't work for me. And to that point, th- these are two albums that came out really fast, close together. Slugline yes. and Two Bit Monsters. And he was touring a lot. Um, yeah. The band that he's got with him was his touring band. Right. So I kind of get the impression of, you know, um, John has mentioned in interviews that it wasn't until much later in life that he actually found it possible to write on the road. So I don't think it was, you know, he was writing songs on the road and then he said, okay, I've got some stuff. Let's go into the studio. I think he toured, he made the money he could. And then he's like, ah, I got to get another album out. Let me quickly write some stuff and get the band back into the studio. And I do think that like, if you look at the early Beach Boys, the Beach Boys would put out three albums a year. You know, because that's just the way the business was. And now then, um, it's not unusual for people to go four or five years between releases, right? Yeah. Because they, I, I want to make sure it's, you know, um, it. I want it to be good, right. not necessarily fast. So good. Um, are, are we going to rate them separately or are we going <laughs> to uh, – I'm okay if you're okay holding on to the rating and we can, you know, we'll do them separately, but at least, you know, okay. If we're ready to move on from the word salad that was back to normal to the word salad that is back to the war. Yes. Um, and forgive me being an American, not knowing my history. Um, when you bring up the concept of war, I think we are all shaped by the war that we first were conscious of, you know, we're, we're oldest, old enough to understand what war was and um, saw or heard images or, you know, new people who were affected by it. So uh, 
I have no idea what war would have been most prescient in people's mind in 1980. Um, This is before Iran Contra, or is it after that? Yeah. um, Yeah, I, I, boy, we're bad history. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a bit down the line from Vietnam. Yes. Um, And it's not, the the start Auckland of the Iraq Wars, Wars or something yeah right yeah um the Iran Iraq War was not involved with us but that was from eighty to eighty eight so okay yeah so I when I first saw this and started looking at today you know looking at the lyrics I assumed war was going to be a metaphor for the relationship. We are back at war together, you know, a, a, um, a two partners, um, in a relationship and they are back to the war, back to this thing. But that is not what the lyrics suggest at all, at least to me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, one could argue that it is a metaphor for a relationship and, yeah in some ways, at least a clearer or more consistent metaphor than we had with the back to normal, which was just like, how many different images and ideas can I throw Mm -hmm. in there? He's playing with the idea of warfare pretty much throughout. um, And um, I'm going to be skipping ahead in the lyrics toward the end. But um, one of the lines that always kind of struck me was, um, you can make your decision or you can watch it on television. It it reminded me of them talking about the fact that the Vietnam war was the first televised war. Yes. Um, So that kind of impact, I'm not quite sure what he's doing with it in that particular line, but um, going back to the beginning first verses, you're different from me. All the boundaries are defined. If we keep up with these truces, one of us will lose our, their mind. So it does kind of seem like two people trying to get along. I'm not quite sure if there's a romantic history, if it's a family thing, if it's something, but it's the idea of we're, we're trying to keep a peace or find a truce or something like that in our personal relations then uh, I consciously object to your weapons detector hedging bets in the private sector. I don't have to salute you, but I might have to shoot you. And the chorus, let's get back to the war. That's what we're here for. Back to the war. That's what we're here for. Back to the war. Um, so I, I, it's certainly not a, a happy song if you look at it as a metaphor for human relations. It's basically like we are meant to have conflict. That's what humans exist to do. And to give the devil is too, that there's a truth to that. That's uh, playing the songwriter's role of illuminating truth in human relationships and giving her a little bit more meaning to what we go through every day without perhaps thinking about it um you 
want to pick up on any of that or go on to the next part, Jesse? Well, and one of the things when it says, I don't have to salute you, but I might have to shoot you, right? Um, mm -hmm. There was a, I, I, and I was just trying to think of the exact line, so I'm going to get it wrong, but um, Andrew Greeley, who was um, the Catholic priest who was a prolific uh, romance novelist and did a science fiction, did all kinds of great mystery novels but i remember once that um they were talking about this very passionate irish catholic couple and they said murder maybe divorce never right, right. right. you know <laughs> we may end up killing each other but we're never going to divorce and right. that that i don't have to salute you but i might have to shoot you right that it is um and it is, yeah, I, I just, it, it is a, I don't think it quite, it, it doesn't click for me on this, the lyrics. Like, those bullets in the park, they're after dark rendezvous, someone has to bleed as someone draws a bead on you. And keeps you on your toes, all those innocent gophers taking orders in the penny loafers. I could change my position, but you just never listen. Those eight lines don't seem to go together. I mean, they yeah. rhyme. Yeah. But but they don't. It, it is. They're not continuing a story and taking the listener on the emotional journey. journey. Yes, yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, yeah. It, and for that matter, like, I, I, again, was quite young when I was listening to this for the first time, and I was taking a great deal of pride in being able to memorize John Hyatt's lyrics. And I know I had these memorized down tight, but to call them up now, I couldn't do it because there isn't a meaning to it. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, I do just kind of skipping ahead to when we get into the ratings yeah you know one of the things that i use as my yardstick is if no one if someone has never heard of john hyatt before would i put on one of these songs to say this guy is such a great songwriter or such a great performer um no <laughs> yeah i mean there are there are songs that are like as we talked about right like i spy for the fbi the you know good girl bad world there are things that it hadn't happened yet in this phase that are really good songs but this one i i don't know what he's trying to say and i don't i'm not on a journey with him and i agree musically it's pretty interesting but i did feel like they could be the two same songs. You know, I've got these two songs on repeat. And if I'm not paying attention, oh, did we start the second one yet? And, you know, right. because they kind of had that same feel. Yes, they, they had a similar tone and a similar rhythm. And to me, the same maybe over earnestness of like, I've got something so important to tell you, and it's so important that I can't even tell you it straight. I have to hide it behind all these clever little phrases. And I'm also struck why, like, maybe this is encroaching on your Doctor Who 
podcast, Jesse, but like if we could time travel and talk to the John Hyatt that was in the studio recording these, I'm sure he would have such a chip on his shoulder saying, oh, if you don't get it, it's your problem. Yes. You're not smart enough to get it. Right. I'm so clever. And John has said things in interviews since that it's like, I'm over trying to clever someone. I want to invite them in. You know, it doesn't have to be witty. It has to be true. If we said um, Springsteen, there has been over the recent tours, people bring big cardboard signs with requests and um, and often they will, depending on the tour, he'll actually do a two. He will have three songs on his set list pull signs for this and they'll just do this um neither of these two are making a sign (laughs) right not by anyone i've met at a concert and i am that annoying person who's going to strike up a conversation with you if i'm if you're unfortunate enough to be sitting next to me at a john hyatt concert yes uh yes i did the same thing when i saw him at house of blues i was talking to the guy in austin yeah from austin um yeah i i just we are i guess this is the most negative we've been you know we've been pretty positive and uh and we've got some feedback we're going to get to a little bit about our ratings but i just don't i think these are I hate to say forgettable, but they're just, they're disposable songs. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jesse. Like I listen to these over and over and over again in that time that your brain really just starts soaking in music. And it took listening to them again to be like, oh yeah, you know, now that I think about it, th- those songs don't even really make any sense. Like it wasn't that I would remember it and be singing it to myself. It has to be on in the background. And even then, as you said, we could listen to the two of them and not even be sure which one we're listening to. And that does not speak well for a song. And, and I will tell you, I did these songs a disservice. Um, We had debated, um, like, would these be such short episodes that would we get to a third episode today? Mm-hmm. And so I threw before I go in my little three playlist and you went, wow, <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. One of these things does not belong. Yes. It, it just it, it it is such a disservice to these two songs and that 1980 John Hyatt. Yes. Right? That 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 writer, that angry young man mm-hmm. um, is just it. it yeah, I, I think. And they're actually when you look right, one's three minutes and 19. The other one's three twenty nine. I mean, there is a really a lot of similarities in this that um, is just a little odd. Um, I do think that I have heard at least back to normal in a live recording and it, it sounds a little better. I got to oh, say, I oh, I'm sure it's a catchy, you know? Yeah. yeah. And when he um, isn't constrained in the studio and, you know, just having a little bit more fun with it, I, I can't even imagine having a limited catalog 
at that time that he was singing back to the war very often in concert. I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. Uh, um, You would know if, and our friends from the, the Hyatt website, if there, if it showed up an early set list, right. I just Mm -hmm. don't think it would have. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So time to rate. So. And time to talk about the scale. Yes. Go ahead. I, I, you do a great job explaining the scale, so please continue. Well, I, I now we could also um, mention the feedback that we yes, received please. about our scale. Um, so David Sprouse, I'm sorry if I am mispronouncing your name, um, gave us some feedback about Angel Eyes, which we very much appreciate. Uh, he writes in his email, however, I'm a little confused about your criteria for rating songs. With Angel Eyes, Sylvan gives it a three because it doesn't quite fit John Hyatt. I agree that his versions don't meet the standards of his other love songs. So judging by his performance, a three, I get it. But if you separate the artist and the song, then Angel Eyes should rank higher. It's a touching testament to new love. John Hyatt going out of his comfort zone to create something beautiful. I respect your opinions and I'm aware of your criteria, but I think you rated this one a little low, Sylvan. I'd give it a four. First of all, thank you so much for giving us some feedback. Uh, Really appreciate that. We like to know that we're not just speaking into the void here. And um, disagree with me, absolutely. But to the point of how we're rating these, we are rating the perfectly good podcast one to five star on a scale of john hyatt songs not how would this song rate if you were comparing it to the top 40 of the time or any other songs so um also a reminder that we do have a um website where you can track our ratings and see when we might be recording a particular song uh if it's okay with you jesse i'll just read out the star scales of the description I gave them. Sure, please. So a one star song, sure, it's good because it's John Hyatt, but you might skip over it every now and then when it comes on the iPod. So this is me adding to that. It's assuming that you put it on your iPod because you do like it that much. Right. A two star song is a good, solid song. But when you compare it to others, Three-star song is a song that you would put up against anything that is popular today or of its time and proves that John Hyatt is one of the best singer-songwriters around. That's when we get to the, can we hold this up as an example level of great Hyatt songwriting, um, production, and performance. Three-star. A four-star song is a classic. Everything about the song is quality and you want to listen to it again and again and again. And finally, the best of the best. We are not going to have the majority of our songs, or at least I'm not planning on having the majority of our songs be five-star songs. The five stars are the best of the best songs that you can't stop listening to or talking about so that perhaps your friends and family become a bit annoyed. They're the songs that make you a Hyatt fanatic, a nerd, a pain who won't shut up in the case of Sylvan. So 
Yeah. And, and I do think, I mean, it is, um, this is not a bell curve where we right. have to have X number of ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. Um, and we also, for example, you know, you gave Angel Eyes a three. I said my heart wants to make it a five because I love it so much, but I gave it a four because it is that to me. Um, and I think that's a fair discussion. And I love that. First off, that he took time to email us. Um, that was so kind. And we're wanting lots more people to do that uh, to perfectly good podcast at gmail.com um, and let us know because, you know, I am sure there is someone in John Hyatt fandom that are, if they're hearing this podcast, are throwing their beverage cup going back to normal is is one of their favorite songs ever and it probably okay it'll give it a four maybe but i'd give it a five and that's what we love about it that the passion we have for this man's music is um the reason why we're doing this and I would get such a thrill out of having a conversation with someone who wants to make that oh. argument because, like, oh. there, there isn't enough time to talk about John Hyatt songs and have different perspective. And, oh. Oh. you know, tell me right now, I'm telling you, if you think Back to Normal is a three or even four, or if this is one of your favorite songs, please reach out to us. We will figure out a way. We will get yes. you on this Zoom call and we will do a special discussion. I am I, saying right I'm now, gonna... I will wake up at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> to Zoom with you. Yes. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, I'm going to give them both ones. I just yes. don't think they're, I mean, they're, you know, it. they're a John Hyatt song and, and even a, what I would call a bad John Hyatt Hong has a few moments where it's there. Yes. Um, I think back to normal, if I had to rate them would be higher. Like, I'm not going to give it a 1.5, but if, <laughs> you know, I would give it, if I had to choose the two, I think back to normal works a little bit more for me mostly because of the catchiness and that bridge uh the other one was just i i didn't there's not much there for me it's a filler um back to normal is the opening track of the album and back to the war is lost in the second half for the second side so that makes perfect sense and i agree with you jesse um I would rate them one star. And I think this is sh showing the scale of what we would call a one star John Hyatt song. Yeah, it's clever. Yeah, it's hooky. Yeah, it's interesting. There's great phrases in there. And, you know, Howie Epstein for crying out loud is on there. And it's of its time and so many good things about it. But if you compare it to anything else that john did you have to start somewhere and oh. this is where it starts uh, i we were we were a little rough on back to the corner right yeah all day long pick back to the corner just any day any time over these two right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um we did want i did want to let as we're talking about feedback we got two new itunes reviews um one of them i'm very happy to see ambitious and fun five stars by mike j elliott 
whose name comes up very often on this podcast. Here's an idea. Start a podcast and dissect every John Hyatt song he's ever released, including with Little Village in alphabetical order. Who has the time or gumption? Thankfully, Justin and Sylvan do. The host of this informative and comprehensive deep, deep dive into the um, – catalog of one of america's greatest songwriters tune in and join the fun for fans of john height in particular and all forms of root music in general yeah thank you <laughs> that uh i have so much respect for michael i loved his book um he's been on set like bruce for a couple of times and i know he's talking about joining us sometime so yes. that's absolutely beautiful and then uh jamie rogers posted truly a perfect good podcast five stars five out of five the only podcast that discusses analyzes, and rates every song by america's most underrated songwriter the great john hyatt highly recommended jesse and sylvan have a great time reliving uh the hyatt catalog and their enthusiasm for the man in his music is infectious I sometimes agree and sometimes disagree with their interpretation and evaluations of individual songs, but the co- podcast is always entertaining and thought-provoking. So thank you both for those wonderful uh, reviews on iTunes. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank and- you both. And come on both. I would love to have a conversation with either of those gentlemen. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you don't do iTunes, anywhere, almost any pat- podcast platform has a place where you can rate us and uh, like us. Um, one of the things in when you talk about analytics, the amount of reviews you get and the amount of um, stars you get and the amount of downloads helps when people search for podcasts. And you know, all of the world is searching, hey, I wish there was a John Hyatt podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if someone wants to reach you, how can they? They can find me on Facebook, either at our Perfectly Good Podcast page or at Sylvan Groff. I'm also Sylvan Green Eyes on Twitter, and I will definitely get back to you. I am at Jesse Jackson, DFW, uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can hear me talk music on Set Lusting Bruce. I am counting down to my thousandth episode, Sylvan. Oh my God, Jesse, you are an inspiration. <laughs> so, uh, when we get to this, you will be part of that celebration. I will have to have you on again. Okay. Uh, so, hey, we, we talked an hour. We did. This is a super bonus episode. We could, I, but I don't or two for the price of one, depending on how you that's look at exactly it. how we look at it. So uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening and supporting our little endeavor. This has been such a blessing that you guys are part of this journey. Uh, we will be back next week with a hopefully a little brighter song yes. uh, and look for soon. We had a special guest uh, join us to talk about um, um Perfectly good guitar. No, uh, Riding with the King. And uh, look for that episode soon. We're going to have that on this feed kind of as a bonus episode. And uh, Sylvan, stay warm as you're up there in the Northeast. Listeners, be careful, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Have a little faith. Have a little faith. Baby, we can come on home. Put the cow horns back on the Cadillac and change the message on the court of
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 